Great. Okay, it says. Is this gonna end right now? It's saying well, less it's than gonna. Minute. Yeah, we could just like. Do we do a countdown? Yeah. Five, <laughs> four, three, two, one. Brianna Sherota interview one, filmmaker Mike Kerr in this two, second episode of the IFCO podcast. Fun. No, okay, we shouldn't do it again. Okay. One more I didn't know what. How? What's the? Do you guys do it together once, and then I'll go in the second, the second time, third time, I guess. Okay. Three, two, one. What, what the, the flick? Flick? Why are you guys trying to make it so bad? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Let's just do it like normal, like what the flick. Okay. Three, two, one. What, what the, the flick? flick? You guys are terrible. <laughs> okay. You know all versions of this are going in the box. Okay, do it as <laughs> da, da, da. Okay. 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 All right. Down. Three, two, one. What? What? Oh, the the you guys, you kill me. <laughs> In, uh, high school that I started my uh, affiliation with IFCO too. Oh, tell us about that. Well, I was interested in in uh, video and animation. And that stuff from a young age, I would say, you know. And then in high school, I, I started to take some communications classes that had video editing. But it was like, you know, basically like a deck-to-deck -deck VCR system, you know, of some kind. And uh, that stuff <laughs> is not as fun as we hope, you know, for one thing. Um, <laughs> and I also got this homemade animation table. And I had a book on animation I would try and draw. And, uh, and time out animation based on what this book told me. But then I had a video camera that couldn't record single frames at all. For a long time, video couldn't do anything close to single frames. So I would try this record pause technique that screwed the timing all up. And then I was like, okay. And then I'd heard, okay, well, shooting on film, a lot of film cameras have single frame. And I didn't really... You know, like, I think this happens even more now. Like, even people knowing the distinction between film and video... Uh, the film is a separate, sometimes a separate medium, I guess. Um, anyway, and I'd heard about IFCO, and so I, I, uh, I didn't know exactly what it was. I think I looked it up in the yellow pages. Another old school. <laughs> and uh, and then I called and was like, "Well, can I like volunteer? Can I?" Do? And they're like, "Well, why don't you take some workshops?" And by then, I think I was sixteen, and they had a hands-on film series, which was like eight weekends or something like that <laughs> to learn to make short films. And each weekend was a different topic. Uh, there might've been two weekends when you're shooting or a weekend when you're shooting another weekend for recording sound that you could kind of overlap those two. And then I think you had one weekend off and then you do all your editing and they'd finish with a weekend on producing. But it was- Did you, sorry, did you at that point like edit on the Steam back? Or was it yes, digital yeah. already? Yeah, nice. Yeah, if IFCO at the time didn't even want anything finished to digital. So it was all stuff finished to film, which is sort of a stumbling block for a lot of people. Like I, I made some things around them, but it was like, I just, I, most of my films are pretty dumb. <laughs> and the idea of spending a lot of money and to do a finished film print, you know, is not 
was not super appealing to me. You know, it's a lot more expensive. Um, so I probably made more work later when you could finish to digital. But uh, anyway, I took those things. And I was definitely the youngest person in the in the group. In fact, I think their cutoff was 16 and I was 16. And I was a suburban kid from Canada and I talked my parents into driving me, <laughs> picking me up. Ah, I bus sometimes. But I was really lucky in that they were like, okay, fine, we'll drive you or whatever. Um, most of the time. But, and then I started volunteering at the film co-op and helping on other people's films and learning a lot, um, uh, crewing other people's stuff. So what was your best experience then, uh, like early days for you filmmaking? Like, was there something that happened or did you have an experience that really made you, like sealed the deal for you? Like, this is something I wanna learn to do for myself and for my own work. Um, Hmm, an experience. Can I just add to that question? Before you started, um, you know, before you joined EFCO, like what was it that drew you to um, animation and filmmaking in general? Was that, was it like a particular, like something that you saw, like a, a film, movie, something, or? Oh, well, I loved uh, cartoons. I mean, all the characters. Uh... I was a big uh, Porky Pig fan, Popeye, Betty Boop. I loved like classic Hollywood cartoons, mm -hmm. I would say, to start. And that's also what drew me to the animation festival and seeing other uh, films there. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, I could be loud sometimes, but I was kind of quieter and I didn't like, I liked drawing a lot and I liked, uh, I was kind of imaginative, but I didn't really like showing stuff. <laughs> and I still, you know, it's something I still struggle with, I suppose in that um, I don't really like people looking over my shoulder while I'm working on stuff. And I don't always like to, uh, yeah, be center stage for, for things, you know, like um, I, I like the idea of drawing and using my imagination. And I did always like stories, you know, I like hearing stories, even uh, oral storytelling. Um, I was always interested to hear stories of, uh, you know, historical or, or personal, whatever kind of nature, I was always drawn, drawn to gossip. <laughs> so do you find yeah. yeah? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I love gossip, but go ahead, Mike. <laughs> oh, I was just asking another question, which I already forgot. Oh, no, I, I do remember. Um, do you find that even now, when you're making something, are you making it for yourself or are you making it for an audience? Um, I would say a bit of both, but usually the audience, I, you know, I think I, one of my problems is I often just do stuff that's just stupid craft. And some of it is I'll do it for one thing. Like when I do those challenge films, which I like doing because it forces you to make something. Sometimes I don't put, if I just put a little bit more effort into different parts of it it could be better and maybe have better legs but sometimes I do something just like I was a big fan of when Ifco ran Super 8 Club and then there was people you're comfortable with mostly you know who are showing up and then you can make something and it's kind of like shoot and show make a little thing and then show it to them because you get comfortable so there I was definitely doing it for a bit of an audience reaction I suppose but uh but the ideas are still my own. I, I, I mean, they're very much, I don't, 
I, I'm a, I'm interested in stupid stuff too. So if I see other stupid <laughs> stuff, I do my own version of something stupid like that. You know, I'm still very like I work in uh, kids television. I'm still very interested in uh, very lowbrow, simple stuff, and <laughs> that's just stayed with me. I haven't grown too much. Does one need to grow, though? Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know. How important is a character arc? <laughs> Some say quite a bit. Others say it's not important at all. Yeah, I don't know. I have to say I love your stuff. Yeah. Oh. And you, and I don't, I don't of, find it stupid. <laughs> no. And one of the things that I, I've said to you, maybe, Mike, certainly, uh, maybe, uh, in in different in altered states of consciousness, um, that one of the things that always struck me about you was your storytelling, actually. And so it's it's awesome to hear that 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 is something that clearly resonates with you. And in spite of you beating yourself up about stuff being stupid, I agree with Sherolta. Um, it's 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 good stupid. Well, you ladies are too kind. <laughs> uh, but I, I should say something that has grown from from that interest in storytelling when i was a kid i was into like uh you know uh, pigs and flying saucers and this is the kind of stuff i would draw but um storytelling i think the reason i like and even gossip uh i do like gossip i think everyone is programmed to like it because it's how you learn about other people uh in the world around you you know what people do and even hearing about something some really bad decision somebody made uh you can kind of sometimes recognize some of that in your recognize that aspect of yourself or when you hear of people i i, I watch a lot of true crime shows and you hear about how people try to lie or hide and how sometimes it seems like oh, these people are so dumb um uh, but the impulses, I think, are in a lot of us to to uh, avoid conflict or or to what you know whatever you hear people. Uh, anyway, that that fascination is still there, of liking storytelling for those reasons, uh, understanding uh, more about myself and the world around me, I guess. And there's something fun and dangerous about gossip too, right? That I guess would be less, you know, other people would see that as stupid. And I, I think it's, I think it's pretty instructive in a lot of ways, you know, thinking about those stories and, and stupid stuff, stupid stuff can be very instructive, Mike, in my book. Yeah. And uh, this is, uh, maybe doesn't relate to anything except stupid stuff and uh, <laughs> film and video, but on the, there's an Inuit children's show that I've been working on for a number of years. And I had a, in a co-producer, uh, uh, Cynthia and she and I both loved we would use my sound library to put sound effects in and uh, there was one folder it had called gimmicks and it was all the, the corniest stupidest sounds you know <laughs> but she and I both had a real like we're all like oh we'll, like we'll get some footage that was like you know a little subpar and like oh, we'll just treat it up with a bunch of gimmicks and it'll be fine you know so we just lay in all these real dumb <laughs> sound effects and it could really make some footage come to life you know Mm -hmm. the proper you know, editing and some stupid sound effects and that joy uh is there all the time as an editor or filmmaker where you're thinking how do i take this thing that doesn't quite work and make it um mean something yeah talk talk a little bit more about that that's interesting like what you know uh, 
what is your approach to sort of what is your approach to filmmaking and and how is doing it on film like doing it on film <laughs> how is how is filmmaking you know um have a different product for you and and how do you work with it so a little bit more about your process um more so than your storytelling um well i think uh, you know when people there's a lot of film people who are like oh it's a different medium than uh than than video or new hd or 4k or whatever the digital formats are and i'm not entirely sure that it always is a different medium i mean sometimes it is just telling a story with moving pictures and they can, they're kind of either one you know the difference to a certain thing isn't that big but where the difference is interesting is when the process is really involved in maybe actually how you process the the, the chemistry the final look can be part of it but i sort of like the process of shooting sound and picture separately i think it kind of makes it special when you when you're getting a group of friends or or even people you don't know to act in this this little film if you have a wind-up camera and you can only do a limited number of takes or if it's a one take thing where you have to shoot in order so to me the process part is really interesting with film um, and it's maybe worth the expense because it puts a little pressure that's probably good on, uh, on your process. Um, yeah, so I like the process of it. And then I also do like the look of some stuff shot on film. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie Bait. Have you heard of that? No. It, it's oh, a I feel like we've talked a, about it before, though. Yeah. Shot on a Bolex, all hand processed, a feature film from out of the UK. And it's uh, a story about a Cornish fishing village, or, uh, or um, just how the, this village is changing, with uh, like it's becoming more of a uh, tourist and like a summer spot for people from the from London or from the cities, and it's losing some of its um, uh, small town fishing uh, ident. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, identification and some of those people feel there's something lost and you know things are changing um, is it a documentary no so it's a narrative film all shot with a bolex and the guy the, the filmmaker also hand processed all the roles himself uh, i have a copy of it i can lend it to you um, nice. but the uh, bfi british film institute was saying a lot of good things about it and you can find interviews with the filmmaker on it and i love the look of it too you know and he talks about shooting these short 100 foot rolls in the bolex daylight spools where um he would shoot all his his uh, picture and then he would go back and record sound and he said you know you'd think you could fix little things in the performance but you can't you, the picture kind of locks how the people have to say the lines pretty tightly um and because he would be going near the end of a role or the start of a role he would shoot other cutaways during some of that time um, where the picture might not be perfect or might be too too much light or whatever uh, be exposed when you're taking the roll in or out so he he had these other cutaways to cut and it's a unique cutting style that um, I think I think it's interesting I think process the the process something uh, you, the process you take to make something and its effect on the uh, result is interesting to me 
So you're really into process. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. I think, cause yeah. I think that links to what you're saying too about who's the audience of your film, right? I think in a lot of cases, there is an there there is an audience for your film, but yeah, you're you're focused more maybe on the process of how you arrive to the product as opposed to what you know presenting something necessarily. And probably it's a bit about constantly refining your process as well, which is why you claim yourself is stupid, but it's not stupid. It's just you know it's in the process of becoming. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find, um, sorry, <laughs> do, do you find that you approach your work work differently than your personal projects? Um, in, in, in a sense of, um, you know, like any sense that you want to take it. Um, it's, 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 it, it, it must be interesting to like have your passion slash hobby or you know calling or whatever the same as your job sort of um yeah i, th I definitely one informs the other uh for sure and you learn things in one that you apply to the other um for my past number of years working with any broadcasting corporation um I had, you know, I'd be working with a small crew of two or three or four people and then extra performers as we need them. And I was the non-inuk of the group. So often, even though I would do some writing and put, put stuff in and help with all the, the, the workload, I, I don't speak inuk to toot. Um, and I, you know, I'm not inuk. So it would be different because I would try to uh, help um get stories formed and when I would hear like my coworkers Cynthia and Janet or um, talking just in the office they'd be talking about stuff they did as kids and sometimes as an outsider I was able to point out things like hey 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 th that's a great idea why don't you guys write something you know if that's a common experience for Inuit kids that, that was different from what I grew up with I'd be like why don't you do something about that but I rarely try I mean as the non-Inuk, I wasn't trying to um, write as much. I mean, I would do some basic writing and I'd put in silly jokes, but I always ran it by other coworkers or we'd talk about the main idea of the story and then I'd go and do a draft. Um, so there I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't the creator as much, right? Um, I would help in the creation process. So I focused more on craft skills and some technical stuff a little bit more. Um, and I would help with, yeah, those sort of problems as they came up, all the technical, um, technical or craft stuff as opposed to being a true creator of the work, I would say. So whereas in my own stuff, um, yeah, I would uh, think up the whole thing. But even in how I would ask them questions like, hey, that's an interesting experience. That's not, uh, um, what I remember from my childhood, if that's communal, like are common to you guys, why don't you try and write something about that? Uh, I would try, I think from asking that of other people, I started to think that way about myself and my own life. Like, you know, like I would think about something from my childhood and go, oh, that's almost worth doing something about, you know? And, and maybe write an idea down or make a note of it, the things that I maybe wouldn't have thought of before. 
not i mean and these aren't things that i thought oh hey, that's common to the white experience i should write that down more than <laughs> that's an individual thing that maybe other people experience like it's a kinetic were, experience yeah the kinetic experience or like you were saying with um with uh, the psychologist telling you to offer people gum you yeah. know and my dad offering me like those things where you're like no i'm totally mortified of of that i don't want to do that um i think of funny things like uh little behaviors people do i remember i had a girlfriend in high school who her parents had two vehicles and one was this big blue van that she was so embarrassed by that she didn't want them to ever pull up to the school and drop her off in this van so she'd make her <laughs> drop off around the corner so she could walk up to the school and the funny thing is yeah kids probably would tease you about anything like a stupid van or whatever but not that much and it's not that big a deal but as kids we'd be so mortified of certain things and here's here's one that's in uh some writing i did uh this is from two things i heard and it has to do with like fat fat shame you know or eating shame let's say so uh i remember watching oprah and hearing this woman say like she would um she was overweight and she would eat all the time and she would go to like mcdonald's or a fast food restaurant and she would uh, uh order multiple <laughs> multiple meals right but she didn't want to make it seem like she's ordering them for herself <laughs> So she would be like, oh, okay, I'll have, you know, a McNugget meal with Coke. And then she'd be like, and I'll have, uh, you know, the quarter pounder meal with, oh, what did, what did Stephanie want again? Like she, <laughs> even though she's the only one in the car, she's trying to make it. And I thought that's hilarious that you're trying to present something to someone else. And then an, another ex-girlfriend of mine said when she was in college, she would, her girlfriends would go back to their homes or whatever, like her, her roommates for the weekend. And she'd be by, by, the, by herself in her, uh, in the house all weekend. And she would order some kind of party pizza deal with like <laughs> chicken wings and all this stuff. But she cared what, the, <laughs> what the driver thought of her. So she, even though she would eat it all through the weekend, right. There was her, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't an overweight person or didn't, but she was so self-conscious that this driver might have, in the two minutes he's there, one minute that he comes to the door. <laughs> so she would turn on music in the other room. And she, she had a lot of shoes and probably the other girls left. She would put all these shoes at the front door. And then when the guy came, she would be like, oh, hey. She's like, she would holler like, girls, the pizza's here. And like to a room with no one in it, you know, <laughs> for the pizza. And so those are the kind of things that I think are worth capturing. And you think, okay, well, what kind of character and where can I, I like those little moments that sort of tell truths about us, you know? So I think in my work, what I'm trying to do now, uh, whether it's more commercial or, or just stupid little films as I make, is try to capture some of those things that are kind of truths for people, you know, that other people mm -hmm. can relate to. So what are you working on right now? Um, well, I started a, a business with a friend who I met when I worked in animation. He's an animation director, Steve Stefanelli. And uh, he and I are developing some of our own shows and we're starting to pitch them around. Uh, all cartoon, cartoon stuff. Cartoon cool. animation for kids and adults, different, different series ideas. And what about film, what about film stuff? Are you, are you uh, experimenting, playing around with film? Yeah, well, I did 
one of those straight eight films and it got pretty far in the process and got to one of the screenings even though it was kind of a total piece of shit that didn't make any sense <laughs> so uh but i worked on it with my friend mike stefanelli uh and we want to do another one and and uh jana another ifco member i believe helped on that jana marin um she did great work on that help us uh it was kind of like a cut paper kind of film so we'd like to do another one and resubmit using that same challenge format, but just spending a little more time on the concept and making sure we're not doing it last minute, making sure it makes sense. It'd be something that we could be proud of. So that's one film I'm going to be working on. And then I'm doing some other writing that I'm hoping can be a, a sort of a longer film project. Where can we, where can we find where can we find you and your work, Mike, online? Oh, you probably can't. <sighs> uh, I think I have a Vimeo somewhere. I might have YouTube. But I'm, I've started this other, um, I'm shooting with these film, uh, medium format film cameras, uh, uh, Holga cameras mostly, on an account on Instagram called Holga Newton. And I'm also going to try. Oh to yeah, uh, Nina mentioned that when Nina we did the podcast for her. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I heard the shout out. That was nice for. Um, we still haven't done the shoot uh, that she was mentioning. It was we almost had it scheduled and it seemed not to happen. But um, yeah, I'm hoping to do more shooting for that, and I want to shoot some motion stuff for it too. So Holga underscore Newton on Instagram, I think. Until next time.